Ladies and gentlemen, here's the smoothest interviewer in his own mind, Derek Dunn of Reviews and Dunn. What's up, world? Once again, you're back in the interview with Derek Dunn of Reviews and Dunn. My guest today is a gamer, a comic book connoisseur, a movie buff, but most importantly, he's a voiceover artist. So I'm very excited to talk to my man, Wesley Griffin. So everybody out there, give it up for Mr. Wesley Griffin. What's up, what's up, what's up, people? How y'all doing? This is Wesley Griffin. How you doing today, brother, despite everything that's going on in this country right now? Man, I'm an essential worker, so I'm still pretty busy running around here doing security, um, just trying to stay safe. Uh, but, you know, running around doing 12-hour shifts kind of sucks. Got to sit in the car in the heat, but I do what I got to do. Yeah, I'm right there with you on the uh, security thing. But, I mean, the thing about security, I got to tell people, it's such easy money, especially if you just do it um, part-time like, like I do. You know, my, my old lady always asked me, you know, when are you going to stop doing security? I'm like, probably never, unless we won the lottery. But, I mean, the money is so easy. And for what I do, you know, my gig, like, you know, it's chill. I mean, you know, I spend more time writing, you know, working on stuff and, you know, chilling and, you know, getting certs and all that than I actually do, like, yeah. patrolling and all that because it's just so lax and laid Same. back. So shout out to Same everybody doing security. Get yeah, man, security never gets the big ups. It's always like, EMT first responders, and I guess we're kind of part of first responders. We help augment, you know, regular PD, but, like, we don't get a lot of shout-outs in the thanks for standing on the front lines. It's like, I'm on the front lines, and I'm interacting with people who may have COVID-19, you know. So, yeah, shout-outs to the security guard or the security officer, whichever one you please. <laughs> yeah, we all don't eat donuts either. I mean, we, we do sometimes from time to time, but we, we just don't sit there eating donuts all day. So get that misconception um, out of there because it's much more to being a security guard than sitting around doing nothing. you got a master artist staying awake sometimes for up to yes, sir. 16 hours, and you got to deal with a whole lot of other stuff. Yes, sir, so indeed. Cool. Mm-hmm. So once again, man, I want to welcome you to the line, man. It's always good to talk to a fellow um, blurred and somebody that's also in the arts. So my man, you know, you do that voiceover work, which – you know, people think it's an easy type of gig, and <laughs> you always see things on Groupon or Gold Star, like, you know, sign up for five bucks, three dollars, learn to be a voiceover artist. And, you know, personally, yeah. you know, I don't Using Fiverr and stuff. make it out to be. I think it's a very challenging and very detailed job. As a matter of fact, you know, I'm going to set up a Simpsons motif really quick. You remember the episode where Bart is visiting um, the Krusty studio, and he knocks down all this stuff, and he has his catchphrase, I didn't do it. I do remember that catchphrase, but I do not remember that episode because, believe it or not, I have never seen one episode of The Simpsons. What? Oh, you got to get, yeah. get you hip. Well, anyway, the setup, <laughs> for the, joke in the, the setup for the joke later in the episode is, is uh, Bart is, like, you know, doing, like, a rap album where he's just saying the catchphrase over and over again. And so uh-huh. Krusty the Clown comes in, and Krusty's doing voiceover work for a, for a pool string doll. So 
Krusty comes in, says his lines like in less than five seconds, and walks past the studio, and the engineers <laughs> haven't even touched the cord yet. So like, where did Krusty go? So tell us about that, man. Tell us how you got involved in voice work and uh, who were some of your early influences that inspired you as a kid to make you want to do voice work? Um, believe it or not, I think a lot of people, a lot of, for a lot of people, it's animation. And that it wasn't for me until I learned later who some of my influences were who did animation when I was younger. And I was like, you know what, that voice always, always was pretty memorable. And, and I'm like, oh, that was that guy, and he's doing that other stuff now. But for me, my main, like, big three influences are Don LaFontaine. He was the, the movie trailer voice, uh, the movie trailer god of the 80s. Any 80s movies you saw, it was probably him. He's, uh, well, he's, he's passed since, you know, he passed in 2008. But he was the guy that everyone mocks as the inner world. That's him, Don LaFontaine. And uh, before he died, he had done some, uh, I think, progressive commercials. And everyone at the time, they could put that face to the voice, but I didn't know who he was all the time. It's like, oh, Lafontaine's got a, he's got a commercial now. I knew he, who he was for a while. So I patterned my own movie trailer style after him because that's, that's the guy I remember hearing growing up in my youth. I'm an 80s baby, so when I got older and I heard movie trailers, I was like, that's Don Lafontaine. Searched him out. Um, the other guy is uh, Keith David, of course. Um, I think he's called Silver Tongue yeah. mm-hmm. on Instagram. He's the pastor on Greenleaf. But um, he was the voice of uh, Goliath on Gargoyles back in the day. And he also did some Navy commercials. And I'm Navy. I'm military. So I've always liked him for that. Uh, the third one is, I believe, Peter Cullen. And he is the voice of Optimus Prime. He's been the voice of Optimus Prime since the, t- the cartoon show in the 80s. And I just always love Optimus Prime's voice, and I can do a pretty good Peter Cullen. So those three guys are my three big influences. Dope. So shout out to Keith David, who's also is a amazing voiceover artist. I think about yeah. 2010 or so when Monique had her talk show on BET. I remember Keith coming on the show. You know, I remember Keith being the voice of Spawn on HBO, you know, from a team. But Keith was saying he developed his speaking voice like at around age 11 or 12, and he was mm-hmm. jokingly saying how his pops used to get on him because, like, when he would call him, he would answer with that, you know, that natural bass in his mm-hmm. voice. His dad was like, hey, take some of that bass out of your voice. Like, you know, it's only one of us can be, be talking <laughs> deep in the and, You know, I say the same thing now to my kids, you know, because my son is um, he's 11, but, you know, a lot of people know that my son Isaiah went through chemo early on in his life. So okay. when he went through chemo, it put, you know, a natural, put a bass in his voice. So, like, even now, I'd be like, yo, man, take some of that bass out of your voice. Like, Dad, I can't. Oh, wow. <laughs> like, you got to try. Man. Take some of that bass out of your voice. Because, you know, when he was, like, eight, man, he sounded like almost like an adult. Not to the point mm-hmm. where he was, like, um, say, a Johnny Gill or, like, a Keith David, but... You know, if you hear him talking, you know, you'll think that you're talking to, like, somebody that's 18 or 19 because his voice is that deep. Okay. I got you. So with your voiceover work, man, did you have to have any um, formal training or did you just kind of learn yourself? Um, Back in 2007 when I was in Virginia with the Navy, um, I took some acting classes and I took some voiceover classes with uh, Keith Flippin. Um, 
Keith was an agency. Uh, he's a character actor. Uh, he's in stuff from time to time. But um, he was like the first guy who uh, kind of helped me. I think he helped me do my demo, my first demo back back then. Um, and then in 2012, when I got back from Japan, I went to ended up in California. I went to see uh, Mark Cashman and did a I did just I did one training session with him. But he could see right away had a lot of potential, and then I took direction well. And that's one of the main things you have to do with voiceover. You may think you have the perfect take, but the client or whoever's having you reading the script uh, is gonna may want you to do it different ways, different, numerous times, even though you think you got it. So you got to be able to tweak what you think is perfect because it's probably not, or even though it is to you, it's not to the client. So uh, those two guys helped me out uh, when I was first starting out. So you mentioned you were stationed in VA. Um, I'm just curious, where were you at in um – VA. Uh, Norfolk, the big, yeah, the Norfolk. big Navy base. Norfolk, and uh, I lived in Virginia Beach. Yeah. Cool, cool. I grew up in, um, as a kid, grew up in Newport News, and then okay. my mom, um, eventually, I considered Northern Virginia, you know, right outside D.C., home, because I was here the longest, my teen years, until she got the E-9 Academy. Then I uh, ended up coming back to... Uh, you know, Northern Virginia, after I did my time in the Air Force and all that, and, you know, I consider it uh, home. So you, you can attest uh-huh. to the fact, like, you know, people always say that um, Virginia is a southern state because of the Mason-Dixon line, but, like, Mason-Dixon line, baby, it's like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but it's, I mean, that's like I tell people, like, you know, that's why it's called Northern VA because it's not really in the south because it's so close mm-hmm. to D.C. and York and everything. Mm-hmm. It's totally different way of life and a mindset from how we acted up here in mm-hmm. Northern Virginia to how they act down in Tidewater area and Petersburg yeah. and Virginia Beach, like everything. Totally yeah, it's all different. So cool, cool. It's always good to meet somebody who's, uh, you know, knows the area and grew up in the VA. So yeah, what was that first stuff uh, you had? Um, it was for United Way. It was online, and um, I had to seek – my first two gigs actually was with the same guy, and I had to – I was just cold calling, basically, um, some smaller production houses in the area, and I uh, let them shop to my demo, sent it to them, and they liked it, like my voice, so I went in there and read for them. And the United – Mark, the guy I mentioned before, Mark Cashman, um, he had told me when I did my uh, training class with him – that I have a, a natural, rich baritone that sounds villainous uh, unless I smile or, or put some energy into it. I will sound like a bad guy. So that United Way spot was kind of a you – know, United Way is all about nonprofit and doing caring things. So I had to kind of punch it up a little bit into me. I, I myself as well know my natural, natural register is sounding villainous like this. So to do – what they wanted for that spot, I had to punch it up, but I thought I sounded terrible and fake, and they was like, yeah, yeah, that's what, I, you know, I did a couple times, and they're like, yeah, yeah, this is the take you want. I was like, that's the take you want? Okay, I, I know my own voice and where I'm naturally at, and that sounded terrible because I could tell I was faking, but they liked it, so that was the first gig, and that was online. I haven't uh, 
done anything big, big yet, but that was the first one. It kind of the first, you know, paycheck, 120, I think it was 125 or 150, you know, first time been paid for my voice. So I was like, hey, I guess I'm official now. So, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's definitely a um, start, and it's starting um, small. You know, I think with voice, there's so many ways to manipulate it and so many ways to um, to make money off of it and do it. Um, even in, you know, trying to promote my podcasting and looking for folks to do drops and everything, you know, you go online and you search and folks do your drops are just uh, what's the land and it's folks that do like a British accent or people that do a Hispanic accent or somebody that do like a menacing, maniacal, evil accent. So, I mean, shout out to anybody doing voiceover work. It really is a hustle and a way of life once you perfect, you know, knowing how to do it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's 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 a high wire act. You got to be able to tweak your voice different ways. And, and, and a lot of times the client will give you direction that is uh, counterproductive, that they say one thing and they don't really, to you, it, it doesn't, it sounds like they're saying two different things or two opposite things. Like make it conversational but authoritative. And it's like, how can you be authoritative but conversational? It's going to sound like two different reads when you're reading it, but, you know, you got to be able to spin that on a dime. All right, so let's, uh, let's get into this animation a little bit. You know, it's too, uh two birds and everything. So, you know, you and I are both birds and, you know, we're in some of the same social media groups and we see the talk and everything mm. that goes into animation. Now, you know, oftentimes in animation, you'll find that there's a actor from a different ethnicity playing, you know, someone that's a different mm-hmm. ethnicity. So, for example, you may have a Caucasian voicing an African-American. You may have a African-American voicing Caucasian. Mm-hmm. As a voice artist, you know, what are your thoughts on that? Um, it's, a, it's a slippery slope. Um, I, like, I, I can't knock it because as actors, we're supposed to be able to inhabit anyone. Um, one of my favorite animation characters of all time, Samurai Jack, is voiced by Phil Lamar. I would you wouldn't know that uh, if, unless, you know, you're in the industry or, or, you know, you seek out and look for who, oh, who did that voice? So, you know, the whole, the best person for the job comes in, comes into play. Voiceover is a little more, tech, not technical, but a little more, it's more niche than regular acting. But uh, it's, uh, it's, like I said, it's a slippery slope. Uh, you don't want to criticize too much because uh, particularly African-Americans, just like in any other field where you see um, they're looking for an urban, a.k.a. black voice or something, and maybe some white person has made a career or a, a quasi-side career of doing, uh, affecting black urban tones, and you're like, really? Uh, and then but on the same, it's kind of unbalanced, which is why you can't, you want to say something, but you can't. Like, it, it goes more in favor of white people doing black voices as opposed to black people doing white voices. And, you know, we want the chance for it to be even, so then you put it in a spot where you don't want to complain about it because you're going to be advocating to do the same thing. So it, it, it's a, it's a it's 22 there. 
Yeah, and you know, I think that um, for me, as long as you don't quasi buy into stereotypes, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I'm not going to knock it. And you know, it kind of goes into the best person for the job. Now, television, you know, it's more accepting. You know, I think I mean, like you know, Cleveland show. Cleveland was voiced by a white guy. You know, growing up in our childhood, I'm sure a lot of black characters that we love, you know, looking back, were probably voiced by white actors. Now, Mm -hmm. that being said, let's just say that someone decides to adapt, you know, Black Panther as a a full-on series, similar to what BET did Mm -hmm. back in the day. Now, given that it's Black Panther... I would expect you know you guys to have you know black talent yeah. on yeah. the show just 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 because just because what he represents. Now, the source material is so black. You gotta have somebody. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, twenty twenty two years ago, you know when we had the Prince of Egypt for DreamWorks, oh, great movie, you yeah. know, great story, yeah. authentic animation. But you have Val Kilmer, you have Val Kilmer and Joseph Ray Fines, Bond. I believe. Yeah. It was Ray Fiennes yeah. or his brother Joseph Fiennes, somebody else. Yeah, and, you know, it's cool. Like, you know, I didn't knock it because the animation was on point. Right. Yeah. Right. Some of the frogs, same thing. You had Keith David. You had Terrence Howard. You had a Nikki Noni Rose. So I think uh-huh. what it all goes into, it's what the actors, how they want to do it and how they want to portray it. So, like, I really don't knock it and get that upset about it per se unless it's, you know, absolutely mandatory. Now, like I said, something like um, Black Panther, no excuses. If someone decides to tell the story of, um, say, Benjamin Banneker or Frederick Douglass, uh-huh. and it's like an animated yeah. show where it's history, yeah, by all means, like, you know, come on, y'all got to use a black actor. You know, you can't. Yeah, it, it, not it just it. lends a note of authenticity. Like, I'll, I'll listen to, I'm going to, because I want to support something that's talking about black history or whatever, I'll support it. But, it just lend, it lends a hint, a note of authenticity if it's a black person doing something black. I'm not going to say, I'm not going to listen to this, I'm not going to watch this because a white person did it. But in the back of my mind, I'm like, man, this would just sound so much better if it had you know, a brother voicing you know, a bass or whatever. You know, so it's, just, it's all about authenticity, I, I, I think. Well, I mean, even taking a step further with, um, with video games, like I'm sure with video, we're getting into that too, but with video games, you know, when we have, us, you know, as black men voicing white characters are the same thing. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure serious gamers can probably, you know, let me know that there's a ton of voice actors who are white that voice black characters in video games. But I think be, you become so enthralled in the playing that you rarely, you know, you don't care. It's like if you're playing yeah. um Mortal And that's Kombat, all political, too. You remember, yeah. um, you remember God of War, right? Yeah. You know who the voice of Kratos was, right? T.C., Terrence Carson. T.C. Carson from uh, Living Single. Yep. But in the latest incarnation where he went, where I, I mean, I think it went more Nordic when he had the son, when they brought the son in, they changed, uh, they didn't use T.C. Carson. And I don't know, I don't know what the deal with that was. If you have an established character, uh, an established actor doing an established character in an established game franchise, why you would switch it up. I don't know if it was just a price point where he was too expensive or he asked for more because, yo, I've been doing this for like 10, 15 years. I don't know what it was, but 
I don't know if many white gamers or black gamers knew who voiced it, and then when they heard the difference, they were like, "Yo, this don't even sound like old oh boy," or like they was they was more they were still excited to play the game, so they didn't think about it. So I wonder how that played out with different gamers of different ethnicities. But yeah, that was kind of weird that he didn't get to do it anymore. All right, so sticking with the video game piece, we're talking about that. If you could provide your voice talents to any video game franchise, which one would you pick and why? Um, uh, I'm, I'm, I like shooters. I like fighting. I like like race car, you know, racing that defies gravity, <laughs> Need for Speed, that type of thing. But uh, more so than Gran Turismo, which is more reality based. But um, I'm military, of course, so Call of Duty or Battlefield is going to be what I would love to voice, and I could lend, again, that authenticity that I like comes into play because, like, marching orders and the terminology, that, that, come, that would come second nature to me as a voiceover artist in the booth having to relay all, these, all this verbiage. I would probably know how to make it sound more convincing than somebody who has not been in the military. So, yeah, it would probably be Call of Duty or Battlefield, something like that. Cool, cool. So, I game, you know, and I mainly just play fighting games. You know, I never got into Call of Duty, never got into Modern Warfare. Woo! So Call of Duty, yeah, <laughs> that's shocking, right? So, Call of Duty is that um, you don't, you can't see yourself, right? It's first person, so you can't first person, see the yeah. body. Call of Duty, yeah, see, no, yeah. yeah. That's probably what it is. Right. That's probably why I don't really care for. Uh, war games like that. I will say, though, if they ever do, like, a Call of Duty where you're a um, Buffalo soldier or you're, like, part of a... Um, yeah, uh-huh, I got you. ...like, focuses on, like, you know, us and our war experience, that'd be dope. But, you know, I doubt they ever they ever do that, <laughs> unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. So, mm. let's, get into, let's get into a hard question. Okay. So Peter Ramsey, a man that directed Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse, reaches out to you. You know, he says he's been following your work and everything. He secured funding for his dream project that's going to bring together all the top black voiceover work, but he wants you to pitch the idea to him. So he's secured Keith David, Phil Lamar, Kevin Michael Richardson, and T.C. Carson. What's the pitch you're going to give him? And you are very correct in saying that's a hard question because I couldn't think of one when I read it. I was like, damn. He also did Rise of, Rise of the Guardians too, by the way. But yeah, it probably it would it would probably be a DC or Marvel property, like some kind of comic property, maybe I don't know, Static Shock or um, uh, the, the Green Lantern Corps or something. But yeah, that's a hard one. I, I didn't. I was so amazed by who you put me in there with. I was like, damn, I don't know. I'm the new kid on the block. And, uh, yeah, Peter Ramsey into the Spider-Verse, great movie. Great, one of the greater Spider-Man uh, iterations that's been brought to the screen. But I, I was stumped, and it, it would have to be something like comic book, a comic book property related or something. But Or maybe, oh, um, if they ever made a, what was that, a video game with the black protagonist in it, uh, like Crackdown. Remember Crackdown? I think so, yeah. If they ever did like a video, uh, 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 an animated movie or a series of Crackdown, I could see us all being in that. Yeah. I like Crackdown. I'm going to go back to my... So few, um, so few rare black protagonists. I'm going to go back to my Buffalo Soldiers idea, you know, when we talk about Call of Duty. I yeah. think that'd be a dope animated project is like, 
Buffalo Soldier story are like a elite um, WW2 you know unit, and it focuses on the black soldiers. I think that'd be a dope story uh-huh. to tell, you know, I in agree. animated animated form. I agree. All right, well, since, you, since we're talking about Spider Man, let's let's uh, quickly get into my man Shamik Moore, who kind of put his foot in his mouth a few weeks ago with his little uh, yeah, what did un PC comment is <laughs> un PC comments. I I I glanced over it, gleaned over it. What did he say again? I mean, the the big, or something. Yeah, I mean, I think the big thing was he just he tried to rationalize everything going on, the black-on-black crime, and then he went into the whole thing that Rosa Parks should have just taken a cab. And I'm like, okay, your career wow. is pretty much snippy in the snippy Tone the deaf, uh, post-millennial post, post tone deaf yeah. kind of cavalierness, aloofness, yeah. Well, you know, the thing is, brother, it's like, like I tell folks all the time, you know, and I've been going on, you know, I'm, I'm on social media, and it, it becomes, you know, just a, a, a headache trying to apply to everybody, let them know stuff and everything. Like I tell folks all the time, you can have freedom of speech. You do have freedom of speech. However, you know, you Be prepared for the blowback. Be ready for the blowback, and there's consequences to those freedom of speech, and oftentimes – what we as the human race don't realize is in almost every job you work, almost every contract you sign, there's a thing called ethics and morals and the print. Moral clause, yeah. You don't think about it. You know, you just click through really quickly, hit okay, and you keep it moving. So I'm like, yo, dude, what the hell were you thinking about? Like, where was your PR team at to tell you not to get on there and say anything? Again, you can say something, but it's all in how you word it. Mm-hmm. And what you say, and when you're in the public eye, the minute you say something like that, it's going to come back and bite you in the ass. Just like Drew Brees, what Drew Brees recently said and everything, it's going to affect Drew for a long time. Now, granted, I don't think that – I don't follow football at all. Me and I don't think <laughs> Drew is racist. You know, I don't, I don't think Drew Brees is a racist. I, I don't think he's a bigot. I do think he's out of touch. And I think that Drew doesn't fully understand everything, you know, that comes with the comments made and all that. You know, you being you being a military vet like myself, you know, knowing this whole flag thing of the kneeling and all that, we see it kind of differently. I'm like, look, you know, what you know, what Kaepernick did, me being a vet in the Air Force, me being the son of a Vietnam the grandson of a Vietnam vet the son of a mom who made E9 and served almost 30 years in the Army, you know, like I didn't have a problem with, 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 with what Kaepernick did because I got mm-hmm. what he was going for. And to go a little bit deeper, you know, people always talk about the flag, this, the flag, that. But half the time, man, it's just folks want to be seen and want to be heard and get reactions out of people because if you really cared about the troops, you'd be out here, you know, going to the hospital just spend time with him. You'd be out here possibly when you pass someone with a sign saying, you know, they're a vet, they're homeless, find some yeah. you pass them by. Before 9-11, we weren't patriotic in this country, and that's a fact. Mm-hmm. That's another conversation. But, yeah, my man from uh, Spider-Man, it really was kind of shocking to see because for my son's generation, 
You know, they, mm-hmm. they got to see a black Spider-Man on screen, and here you are saying this dumbass rhetoric that, you know, yeah. could affect you long-term, man. Just keep your mouth shut, man. Like, Or at least be educated before you say something. Yeah. That's all you have to do Especially- is do your research and, get ed- and be, be educated in your – be educated in your response. It's just Especially like saying you can't just pop off or say anything. Yeah, it's like what's up work. You just can't get out there and say, I'm going to do what's up work without actually doing everything. It's an art to it. Do the research. Find out how to do it the right way. <laughs> you know, just don't jump out there thinking you're going to be a voiceover artist all of a sudden when that's not the case. Yeah. So, as a voiceover actor yourself, what advice do you have to aspiring voice actors? What are what are three essential things you would say they need to do if they want to pursue this as a career or as a hobby or just as a way to earn extra money? Uh, the first thing I would say, kind of, kind of like acting, you got to have a thick skin. you got to be able to take criticism, number one, because everything you do, you're going to think of, you know, you hot stuff, but somebody who's been in the game longer or a client, or they're going to they're gonna tell you, not, this is not what we want, uh, read it again, give me another take. You can't think that you're, that you're hot stuff. you got to be able to take that criticism and you got to be able to, to correct it and kind of swallow your pride a little bit. Um, read up on the craft, uh, study the craft, read some books on the craft, uh, go to workshops uh, if you can. And uh, just keep the word I created was keep wrestling, which is grinding and hustling, put them together. Keep wrestling. Don't get dejected. Don't get disenfranchised, and it will happen. But usually when you're at your lowest and you think, man, I, I guess nobody, my, I guess my voice is crap because no one's asking to hear. Nobody's paying for it. Um, I suck. And then a job will come through, and, and it restores <laughs> your uh, uh, your ability in yourself, but you just you gotta have a thick skin. Study the craft, keep grinding, keep hustling, and uh, just keep going, man. Keep your head up. Don't don't let everything get to you. Uh, don't let it knock you off. You know, if you know that you got the, the skill for it, just you know, and you you you're putting stuff out there, you're gonna get back what you what you give out into the world. So, if you know your craft, you're studying your craft. You, you keep you know. Uh, hitting the board, trying to get people to hear you and see you, it's going to happen. You just got to keep plugging away. I've been doing this since 2012 when I came back from Japan, and I haven't broke big yet. Uh, the main, I think the thing holding me back is uh, a quality production house demo, and then that will get me my agent or agency, and then I'll be on to the next level. So I'm getting close to being able to do that demo, and then I'm, I'm probably off to the races, you know, because everyone I, I talk to that are professionals, they know I have something. I have that thing that sounds good, but, you know, i got to get that demo. So that's that's one of, uh, uh, one of the more important things as an artist once you know you're there to get that demo going. Cool, cool. So before we close out, who's the one actor or actress who hasn't done voice work yet that you would love to see do some voice work in an animated film or a video game? I don't know if they've done it already before. Um, 
but either Jeff Goldblum or Christopher Walken, and I think Christopher Walken has done something before, but it's not coming to mind. But Jeff Gold, him and Jeff Goldblum both, their, the cadence of their speech is so idiosyncratic. It's so unique to them that I would like to hear the way they speak in an animated character of some sort. Um, yeah, one of those two. And one that surprised me, um, a female African-American actress that surprised me because her, her, her voice is pretty grating uh, when she's acting in movies like live-action movies, but she sounded great for her animated part was uh, Tiffany Haddish. She did a role in um, the, the Lego 2 movie, and, man, her voice just really played into her character. I said she could, like, have a side career doing some, some voiceover animation because her, you know, her crazy-ass, you know, antics worked well. In, in with a voiceover, disembodied voice type of deal. So she surprised me, and she did really well, and I think she should do – I think Tiffany Haddish should do more voiceover because she's got the voice for it. I think mine is um, – he's, really, he's, he's not really a mainstream actor, but Gary Anthony Studgers, I can't think of his last name, he's a, he was a big bad in um, Tyler Perry's Daddy's Little Girls. And he has uh-huh. a natural menacing voice. So I love to see him do like an animated type of thing. And for a female actress, um, I would love to see Lupita Nyong'o do some more voice uh-huh. work. I mean, you uh-huh. know, she, she did Star Wars motion capture. I don't think she's ever done anything animated, so I would love to see her do voice work and see. Because Christopher Walken was on The Simpsons and um, season, let me think. I don't know what season it was, but, but the setup was. I, would, I, I thought it was one of the, the bug movies that came out a long time ago between uh, DreamWorks and uh, I'm sure, Pixar. Yeah, he, he, he did that also. But, but I think that was the uh, Buzz Life. I think that was Kevin Spacey was the voice of Hopper, and he did well at the time. I don't know that up real quick. But yeah, the but Simpsons. Fem- females are good. They'll surprise you because um, I think you were talking about the Simpsons, Simpsons earlier. Nancy Cartwright did Bart, but um, yeah. one of uh, two of the people that surprised me. Well, one surprised me, but one was like, "Oh, that's who that was back in the day." Inspector Gadget. Uh, Penny was voiced by Cree Summer, who Freddie from um, in Living in not in Living Color. Um, what was it called? Dang it, not Living Color. Different world. Yeah, different world. She was the voice of Penny, and I was like, oh wow, okay. Yeah. But uh, Regina King from she did the Boondocks. She did Huey and Riley, and for a long time I didn't know she was doing both voices. That's crazy. Yeah, I've been trying to find that Regina King um, just to see her like do it. Um, how she does it, going back towards her dialogue, that'd be something I want to see the making of. But yeah, man, yeah. definitely um, YouTube, Christopher Walken on The Simpsons, because the, the joke is he's reading a Good Night Moon to a bunch of toddlers, uh-huh. and, you know, he has that, like, menacing, creepy type of voice, so they're all, like, backing up away from him. He's like, no, 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 you know, come back, children. It's okay. I'm not, like, not going to harm you. <laughs> You know, I can yeah. tell the voice of how he how he does it is uh, cool. So definitely YouTube that. 
Well, all right, folks, yeah. I want to thank Mr. Leslie Griffin for stopping by to share his talents and chop it up with reviews and done before he um, makes it in the big time, I'm sure, five, ten years from now, maybe even sooner, that this is going to be a cat mm-hmm. doing something on a God's War, or Call of Duty, or maybe even a Pixar film. You know, I'm a firm believer be in speaking in <laughs> So, you know, when this brother makes it big time, hopefully he remembers us little people. <laughs> You'll be right there with me, brother. So before we close it out, is there anything you want to add and where can fans find you on social media? Uh, yeah, social media on Facebook, um, the magic voice of Mr. Griff. That's where you can find me on Facebook. Uh, all the other social media pro- platforms like uh, Twitter and IG, uh, I'm under Gryffindor88, and that's Gryffindor, but the door is not like Harry Potter. It's D-O-O-R. So, you know, G-R-I-F-F-I-N-D-O-O-R, Gryffindor88. You Google me, you'll probably find me. You'll see my mug, and you'll see me doing my little voiceover trailers and stuff. So, yeah, that's me. All right, folks, once again, this has been an interview with Reviews and Done. Until the next time, stay positive, stay inspired, and be blessed. And as always, I'm going to leave you with a quote that ties into today's interview. The human voice is the most perfect instrument of all. Arvo Park. Done. Yes, sir. Out. Tune in next week for another episode of Reviews and Done with your suave host, Derek Dunn.